You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Because here's the thing, you know what, when we really kind of lack a deep, a growing, really an intimate relationship with with God, when we kind of forsake that, what we're really going to end up with is a really very stale, fake, inauthentic, and unappealing religion. And what God wants with us is really something much deeper, a much more intimate, but it takes two. And so often we are more content with a form of religion than the power thereof that God wants to really pour out upon us and into us. And again, to me, one of the greatest hidden dangers in Christian living and Christian ministry occurs when we try to live the Christian life apart from the power, the presence of God through that indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. It's so easy to become consumed with ministry, with Christian living, Christianity, and and yet just become completely detached and separated from the power and the person of Jesus Christ. And it happens all the time, and probably more than we would ever realize. And before we get into the sermon this morning, I'm just going to invite us to kind of stand together. We're going to pray this prayer that we've been praying uh, together from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. And this is really part of what Christ wants to uh, give. This is, is part of his gift um, to the church. And so we've been praying this periodically um, over the last few months. I'm just going to invite you uh, to join me in praying uh, this together in unison, out loud. Father God, We thank you for these gifts Christ gave to the local church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Empower them and make them responsible to equip God's people to do your work and to build up the local church, the body of Christ. May this continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we become mature in the Lord, building up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We ask, Father God, that you would raise up the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers in this church. Stir up these gifts among us, as these gifts powerfully and effectively work among us, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Christ Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We ask you this for the universal church throughout the earth and for our church Praise Community Church. Amen. You may be seated. 
Now, I particularly chose this one uh, this week uh, because I want to kind of uh, promote uh, something that's going to be coming here in a couple of weeks. Um, starting uh, Sunday, November 1st, 8th and 15th, Pastor Bruce is going to be doing a teaching on the fivefold ministry. So after church, um, it's like two weeks from today. So the first, 8th, 15th, Pastor Bruce is going to kind of come and he's going to teach on each specific um, area of the fivefold ministry the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He's going to kind of lay out what that looks like. Now, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we did this, and I asked those of you, we, we, we did it sitting down, and then I asked those of you that kind of felt like you had a calling to one of those fivefold ministry gifts to stand up, and many of you stood up. Now, I'm guessing a lot of you maybe kind of feel a calling to a particular area of that fivefold ministry, but you're really not sure what that looks like. How would you go about pursuing that? How would God begin to use you in the local church? And so Pastor Bruce is going to kind of come and he's going to kind of begin to talk about uh, each of those areas of the fivefold ministry. And then we're going to kind of do an impartation so that those of you that maybe have that calling of the apostle, we're going we're to kind of bring you up and we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray over you um, and, and we're going to just uh, ask God to begin to release that gift in you uh, with, with more and more power. Because uh, I'm just going to tell you, in, in, the, in the days to come, we are going to need the fivefold ministry in ways we've never needed it um, before. So I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, we do have a sign-up sheet out there. There's no cost um, to this. It's just, just come, um, and uh, Bruce is just going to teach on this. I think it's going to be really powerful. Um, I'm going to be here, and I would encourage you, especially if you stood up that Sunday morning, I encourage you to be here and to really begin to understand Understand and grow in what it is that God is calling you uh, to do. So I'm really excited about that. Are you excited about that, Bruce? He is. He is. Good. So just do me a favor and just really, we need to be praying for Bruce. Just that God would just, uh, you know, kind of download in him what he needs uh, to bring to us. So just ask, you know, in these coming days as, as he's kind of preparing his heart, preparing the teaching, we just want God to really begin to move in just some miraculous ways uh, through that teaching, through the impartation. So I, I'm really, really excited um, about that. Sessions will be held here in the sanctuary. Um, so we'll be here for services. We'll give a little bit of a break, then we'll come back and do that uh, here uh, starting in a couple of weeks. Again, anytime we attempt to live the Christian life, anytime we try to flow in Christian ministry. And when we're trying to do that outside of a relationship with God, apart from really being connected into the Word of God, uh, really without being uh, in, in dwelling in the power, the person uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the result is always going to be frustrating, disappointing, um, and unfulfilling. And that, that goes for everybody, whether you're a pastor or whether you're just a lay person. Again, the Bible is full of encouragements, it's uh, commandments, uh, stories that really serve to remind us of this very core principle, uh, this spiritual truth that apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. 
okay? And I'm talking anything of spiritual significance. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not accomplish anything uh, in the kingdom of God. Jesus said in John 15, 4, he said, abide in me and I in you. This, this is, again, one of these things where it, it, it takes me from me to we, I to us. Everybody, we should all be making that shift. We should be somewhere in the progression of that shift of going from me to we. I died I am now alive in Christ. Christ lives in me. I abide in him. He abides in me. That's the we. Too much of me. We need, to, we need to die to me and come alive to we. We need to die to I and we need to come alive to us. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Me, I, you will accomplish nothing. We, us, can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Amen? As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. I think you kind of talked about that being fruity. Did you? Yeah, Patty. Yep. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me, my words, that's the gospel, that's the Bible, it's the good news. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Nature teaches and really reinforces this truth consistently and without exception. As a branch, you can never bear any life, any fruit apart from the tree. Amen? You'll never see a branch from an apple tree ever producing apples apart from the tree. Unless the peach branch is connected to the peach tree, it will never produce one peach. And the point Jesus is making here is as a Christian, you cannot and you will not ever produce anything of spiritual significance apart from abiding in Christ and he in you. His word abiding and flowing in and through you. And again, the difference... Paul shows us the difference. He said the, the difference between Christ abiding in you and you not abiding in Christ are the same as the fruits of the flesh versus the fruits of the Spirit. Found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. These, this is what you can expect to manifest from your life when you're living apart from Christ. When it's I, me, versus we, us, this is what you can expect. Paul says uh, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissension, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. 
of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not gonna manifest in your life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Nothing can stop these things is what Paul's saying. Nothing can hinder the fruit of the Spirit. Nothing can limit that. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And again, he's saying apart from abiding, from being intimately connected to Christ Jesus through the indwelling of the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit, him being alive and living in and through you, the fruits of the Spirit listed there will never manifest in your life the way they should or the way they need to in order to bless you, to bless others, or to bring glory to your heavenly Father. I think so much of our falling and our failing in Christian life and ministry are the results of lacking growth and intimacy with God, of not being connected, of not abiding in Christ, not allowing his word to abide in us. And again, apart from that intimate, deep, growing, abiding relationship with God, we will lack the desire and the ability to abide in him, and that will have an enormous consequential effect and influence in our Christian lives, in our ministries. Now, I kind of promised you last week, I want to get into this this week, and we're going to kind of spend the next couple of weeks unpacking this. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story, a parable. And he's telling this story to illustrate the difference between those who are intimately, deeply connected to Christ and those who are not. It's a story about ten bridesmaids. Five are wise and five are foolish. Now what we're gonna discover as we get into this story is what made the five bridesmaids wise was those who chose to put their intimacy, their relationship with God ahead of their ministry. It even became uh, more important than God's plan and purpose for their life and their ministry. While the five foolish bridesmaids were those who put their ministry who put God's plans, purposes for their lives ahead of their intimate relationship with him. And we're gonna look at that this morning. We're gonna see what we can learn and take away from what Jesus says. Now, Matthew chapter 25, you've got your Bibles. I encourage you to open up there. If not, um, there's uh, scriptures there on the uh, screen. Matthew chapter 25, verse one. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, I just got to stop there because I got to unpack verse 1 before we can even go into verse 2, okay? That first word there, then, in verse 1, may not seem very important, but it is crucial to properly understanding and interpreting what Jesus is about to say. 
That first word there in chapter 25, verse 1, it connects. It is a continuation, and it pertains to what just preceded chapter 25, verse 1. Jesus is telling them this parable And he's illustrating that there are five wise, five foolish bridesmaids in Matthew chapter 25. And he prefaces this parable by talking about all of the signs that are going to occur upon the earth prior to his second coming. So we, we, we acknowledge Jesus came the first time as a babe in the manger. It's what Christmas is all about. We believe that Jesus is coming again. And so Jesus is saying uh, there are going to be signs that are going to occur that are going to signal that my uh, second coming is about to happen. So in order to really get an understanding of what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 25, you got to go back to Matthew chapter 24 because Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25 are one continuous flowing thought. It is one teaching. And if you were to take that and to separate the two out, you're going to draw wrong conclusions from Matthew chapter 25 verse 1. And this is Jesus' final sermon before uh, he goes to the upper room, and then to the cross. In Matthew chapter 24, again, I'm going to have you back up a chapter. In verse 3, the disciples go to Jesus, and they say to him, can you describe for us the signs to look for that will indicate your return and the end of this current age? We're still in that current age that they were talking about there. And that what follows in chapter 24, and I'm not going to take all the time to read that this morning, but I would encourage you uh, sometime today or this week to get into that because Jesus describes some of the events that will take place prior to his second coming. Now, what Jesus shares there in Matthew chapter 24 can only be described and, and Luke does this in his gospel, and I'll get to that in just a second. But what Matthew chapter 24 describes there can really only be described as what will be the greatest revival ever on the face of the earth. It is going to be the most powerful awakening that has ever happened across the world. But it is also going to be a time of the greatest calamity, destruction, evil that you have ever seen, and all of that is going to happen simultaneously upon the earth. As the time of Jesus' second coming draws near, there is going to come a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and there will also be a great outpouring of darkness and evil upon the earth. And all of that, that great outpouring of the Spirit, that great evil, all of that is going to, it's just going to come simultaneously and it's going to grow in intensity and in uh, uh, the occurrence of the closer to the time of Jesus' second coming. The light will become lighter, the dark will become darker. There's going to be an increase in righteousness, there's going to be an increase in unrighteousness. You're going to 
see the goodness of God, and you're also going to see evil rear its head. And now the reason this is so important and how it ties into intimacy is when this progression starts happening, it is going to be both a time of great joy and of great sorrow. And the church, I believe, the true church, the church that's got its eye on Jesus, the church that is connecting with Jesus in, 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 in deeper and in more intimate ways. I'm not talking about the church at large. There, there are churches that are still not open. They are locked down in fear. The church that Jesus is looking for is a church that is alive. It's living for him, in him, through him, that church will be uniquely positioned to not only endure those times, but that church will actually thrive in spite of all of the calamity, all the evil, all the darkness, all the unrighteousness happening around us because we are abiding in Christ. He is abiding in us. His word is abiding in us. A deep, abiding, intimate connection with the Godhead will be the only way Christians and the true church of Jesus Christ will survive in those joyfully devastating times Jesus is describing there in Matthew chapter 24. And again, the closer we get to the imminent return of Jesus Christ, the more pressing, the more crucial the issue of intimacy, of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ will be. The closer we get to Jesus' return, the issue of intimacy with God will become uh, more and more a matter of spiritual survival. So again, Matthew chapter 24, 25, it is one teaching. You cannot you can, but you should not separate those out. This is one lesson Jesus is giving to his disciples, and you cannot properly interpret, understand Matthew chapter 25 apart from chapter 24. Now, when you get to reading through Matthew 24 and you look some of the signs that Jesus refers there, again, our tendency is to think there's always been wars. There's always been rumors of war. There's always been earthquakes. There's always been famines. So what kind of signs are these, and how are these signs any indication of his coming? Uh, because we've always had wars. We've always had famine. We've always had earthquakes. Well, Jesus gives us a very interesting clue there in Matthew 24, beginning with verse 6, and he says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. It started, it's coming, but it's going to, uh, it's, it won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But, and this is the key, all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Now, that last sentence, it's the key. For those of you who have never, ever given birth naturally, 
you know, if you're a mom, if you've given birth naturally, you understand this, right? How, how many of you are moms giving birth? Yep, you understand this, okay? The closer you get to birth, what happens? The pains intensify, don't they? Uh, it, it gets more and more painful, and what else happens? Have you forgotten? Come on, moms, you should know this. Teach me now. Yeah, the, the, the pains get sharper and sharper and sharper, and they come closer and closer and closer together, don't they? Yeah, if you've got, if you've got birth pains that are, you know, an hour space, stay home. <laughs> if, you've got, if you've got birth pains that are kind of coming every couple of minutes, you better get to the hospital because you're about to have a baby. This is what Jesus is saying. The closer you get to giving birth, the greater the pains become, the closer they occur together. Now, the reason this is so important is because the closer it gets to Jesus' return, you're going to see the signs of his returning. What he talks about there in Matthew chapter 24, it is going to increase in intensity, and it's going to occur closer and closer and closer together until it's almost just simultaneously. That's the key. Let's just look at this past year, for example. Beginning of October, Southern California had recorded over 600 mild earthquakes within a few days. That's a lot of earthquakes. Many thought, is this just a prelude to a bigger one to come? Couple that with all the wildfires that are happening just in California alone. Since the beginning of this year, there have been over, I think, like 8,500 wildfires throughout the state of California, and it's burned well over 4.1 million acres in California. That's a lot of land, which includes homes and businesses. Right here in Iowa, we've witnessed a very, very rare uh, event called a Doraco here in Iowa, which is the equivalent of an inland hurricane. It flattened thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of corn and soybeans, and not just across Iowa, but several states were affected as well. At one point early on, it was estimated, after this kind of went through, uh, they, they estimated probably about a half million acres of corn and soybeans would be lost. Recently, Dave Muth just told me this, that they recently upgraded this now to like 860 thousand acres of corn and soybeans are, cannot be harvested, and they are expecting that number to go well over a million as the farmers are kind of in the midst of harvesting that right now. Average dollar loss would be about $800 per acre, and you multiply that by potentially a million acres, and you're pretty close to a billion-dollar loss, and I'm only talking about Iowa other states like Illinois were hit equally as hard, if not harder. Uh, you look at famines. Um, I kind of, uh, again, those are one of those signs that Jesus said to look for, you know, as anticipation of his return. I kind of listed there a few of the uh, countries that are hardest hit right now. Can you go to that for me, Carol? Famines occur right now over 73 million people in Africa. 43 million people in the Middle East, 19 million in Latin America. I'm on the bottom of page seven. Right now, pestilence is a large contributor to these famines in East Africa. 
as large swarms of, de of desert locusts are consuming more and more crops that people depend on uh, for food. This was really, really interesting. I was reading one of these articles, and I believe it was in the Horn of Africa. Meteorologists kind of thought what they saw was this huge, uh, this, this huge, I mean significant rain event that was going to be moving into a, a certain part of the country of Africa. And, and what they found out was it wasn't rain at all. It was such a dense pack of desert locusts that the way it registered on, on the uh, National Weather Radar is it looked like it was this huge thing of rain. And, and they said that these locusts could descend upon just huge crops. Uh, and, and this, this I, I can't even imagine the, the, the enormity of this, but they would, they would descend upon this crop and they would completely eat the entire crop in, in a matter of hours and move on to the next one. War and, and conflict are also uh, large contributors uh, to famine in many parts of these places. Jesus said there's going to be war, rumors of war. Uh, currently across this world, we have four major wars. Uh, and, the, and a major war would be where there's uh, 10,000 or more people lost um, uh, per year. So we've got four major wars occurring right now. We have 11 wars that, are res that you know, result in the death of less than 10, million, or, uh, uh, 10 thousand people per year, 18 minor conflicts, and 15 skirmishes and clashes. I just saw in the news where, where all of the, the conflict and the death is, is escalating in Oz, Aber, uh, I, I always, why do, why do they make words so hard to pronounce? Aberbajan. Yes, thank you. Man, if a word is hard to pronounce, we should not have it. But I just saw that the conflict, death toll, is, is escalating rapidly um, there. So there are always wars happening somewhere across the world. Now, as that time happens, we're going to start to see more and more conflicts are going to arise all over the world. The death tolls are going to start climbing, and it's just going to be a significant rise in that. Uh, we'll look at one of the other signs Jesus mentions there in Matthew 24, 12. There will be more and more lawlessness. More people's love will, will grow cold. Do I even need to talk about this? Turn on the television. Pick up the newspaper, listen to the radio. The rioting, the looting, the violence, the destruction that's taken place across this country these last uh, six months, unprecedented. We've never seen anything like that in this country before, and, and they're telling us there's no end in sight. Many are predicting and promoting more and more violence regardless of who wins the elections on November 3rd. Have you looked at gun sales lately? Have you gone to a store and tried to buy ammo lately? In September of 2020 alone, almost 2 million handguns, shotguns, and rifles uh, were sold in the United States, making it the sixth largest sale um, of guns um, in uh, the history of, of gun sales. Much of this, again, was sparked by the coronavirus, by the unrest uh, that we're seeing. Uh, the vast majority of people believe that violence in the United States is just going to continue to increase and increase and increase. So people are just kind of drawing the conclusion it's time to lock and load. 
And God help us if the day ever comes we start, we take a, a war of words and we tra- trade it for a war of weapons. Just look at Facebook. My goodness, you can gauge the love of many growing very, very cold and callous. Now, as devastating, as catastrophic as each one of these are in and of themselves, and they are, as the time of Jesus draws nearer and nearer and nearer, these same kinds of things and many more things. I'm only giving you just a sampling of what's going on out there now that will continue to grow in both intensity and in number. Can you imagine earthquakes happening all over the place, not just in California, but all over the world, and not just 600 in a few days, but 6,000 in a few days? Can you imagine wildfires, not just in places like California, but all over the world? Flooding, not just in places like China right now, but all that happening all over the world at greater intensity and all of it timed closer and closer together. Worldwide famine and pestilence like the ones in Africa, deadly world wars, all of this occurring one right after another, growing in in intensity, growing in frequency until it kind of just feels like it's all happening at once. But Jesus says, do not panic, don't fear. This is necessary. It's telling you something. The disasters I mentioned, you know, again, a lot of this just are, they're happening over a period of months, you know, July, August, September, October. You know, earthquake in July, wildfires in August, famines in September, civil unrest in October as the time of Jesus draws nearer and nearer. Events like this are going to increase in intensity and force, and they're going to occur over a, a, a time period of not months, but days apart. So instead of, you know, July, August, September, October, it's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, and then it's going to not just be separated by time, it's going to be separated by hours. It's going to be 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and, and it's just all of that is just going to grow in intensity and in frequency. These are the signs Jesus said we're to look for. And Jesus said they must occur. Because when they occur, he's telling us, I'm, I'm, my return is imminent. As the days of Jesus' return draws nearer, those national, those natural disasters, the kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation, they're going to occur just like the arrival of a newborn baby greater pains, closer together. And again, all of these natural disasters occur, greater miracles. There are going to be greater outpourings of the Holy Spirit will also occur simultaneously. Listen to how Luke describes this in Luke 21, verse 11. So there will be great earthquakes, there will be famines and plagues in many lands, and there will, get this, there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. Here's the problem. Many people are going to get focused on this, and they're going to miss this. Earthquakes, famine, pestilence, war, they're they're going to be consumed. They're going to be driven by this, and they're going to miss this. They're not not going to see it. And, and, And then Luke tells us what's going to happen um, in in some of that. Um, 
it, in verse 26, he's met, said, men's hearts are going to fail them for fear. Fear. And, and literally, what, what that talks about is you're going to have a heart attack. You are going to be so overcome by fear that your heart is literally going to fail you. As the best of times, the worst of times are unleashed upon the earth, signaling, signaling the intimate return of Christ, it will be so wonderful and so horrific at the same time that people's hearts will literally fail them due to the great fear those events are going to evoke. I saw the other day an article about a Russian woman who woke up at her own funeral. Lying there in the casket, people are around her. She sits up, looks around, realizes what's going on, has a heart attack, and dies. Jesus said there in Matthew 24 that the signs, the events that are coming upon the earth prior to his return will catch most people, and, and I believe that includes a lot of people in the church. It's just going to catch them totally by surprise. It'll catch them off guard. It's going to be like waking up at your own funeral. Jesus said in Matthew 24, I'm getting ready to close here, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and wedding, uh, weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This will be the way it is when the Son of Man comes. It will be like a thief in the night. He will come when most people least expect it, but when he comes, it will unleash such fear in the hearts of mankind that their hearts will literally fail them for fear. They will be so overrun, overwhelmed by fear. This is the foundation that Jesus lays. And he says, then, here's what the kingdom of heaven's gonna look like. And then he kind of begins to talk about five wise, five very foolish virgins. And it is a depiction of the church. And we're going to pick it up there um, next week. But I feel like you, uh, you're not going to understand. You're not going to value. You're not going to be able to glean from chapter 25 what Jesus is talking about there without understanding what's happening um, in Matthew chapter 24. Um, so let's just go ahead. I invite the worship team to come back up. What you can begin to do now, again, is just pursue intimacy with Jesus. He wants that with you. Okay? You don't have to wait until all this stuff starts happening to get serious about Jesus. Get serious about Jesus now. Because you're gonna be like the you're gonna be like the wise virgins. I don't want to give too much away from the story, but you're gonna have plenty of oil. You're gonna have plenty of intimacy. You're gonna have plenty uh, of depth in Jesus that you're gonna be able to go through this. So start now. Start today. Commit yourself today to say, man, I want to grow in my intimacy with you, Lord. And he will respond in goodness and kindness to hearts that are sincere. 
to hearts that are, that are thirsty, he's going to quench that thirst. To hearts that are hungry for more of him, he will satisfy that this morning. It's what this is all about. It's what he is after. And so this morning, we can start that now. We can go deeper today. Doesn't matter where you're at in that intimacy with Jesus, you can go deeper. We all need to go deeper. I need to go deeper. Charlisa, you need to go deeper. Bruce, you need to go deeper, especially as you're preparing for this. This teaching. Man, we want to just begin to kind of come out in every area of ministry out of that place of intimacy. It'll make a difference in what we do. It'll make a difference in what we have to offer people. It's a difference between life and death. When I have intimacy with Jesus, what I'm able to offer people is life, eternal life. When we come out of a place of no intimacy, all we have to offer people are opinions and death. I want to come out of a place of intimacy. Like I said, for me, it's just, it's just going from this me to we, from I to us. More about him, less about me. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase. That's what we're after. That's what we're going for this morning. So, Father, we just thank you for that invitation, that opportunity. Your mercies are new each morning. And, Father, we press into that mercy this morning. And we say, God, we want a deeper, a more intimate walk with you. We want your word abiding in us. We want your Holy Spirit abiding in us. We want the greater is he that is in us than anything that the world has to offer. So God, create in us, create in us a hunger, a thirst for you and you alone. A hunger and a thirst that only you can quench, that only you can satisfy. That is what we want. That is what we're after. This day and every day, to set our eyes, to set our sight, our hope, our future, all that we have, all that we are. We just bring it to you. Come alive. Breathe your breath of life upon us. Set our hearts ablaze this morning. Let our desire be for you and for you alone. That our hearts would be for you and you alone. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, and you are everything in between. You are the great shepherd, and you love the sheep. Sheep, hear your voice. We 
become as lost sheep to the loving shepherd who leads us, who guides us, who's laid his life down for us. We come to you. And we thank you for the body, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the evidence that you have laid your life down for us. As we partake of that today, Lord, we pray, Father, that we again would just experience your love, greater love. There's no greater love than this, your word says, that you lay down your life. So as we take that bread, we drink of that wine, again, it is a reminder, there is no greater love than this. And you are that greater, that infinite, that unconditional love. So Father, we just thank you again for your power, your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth. We thank you for who you are, who you desire to be in us. We come and we feast upon you this morning. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.